0: This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your
1: host, Roger Brooks.
0: You worked for a bully. I mean, that, and that's pretty common today. What, what are some of the signs that people don't even realize they're in a situation of, a bully manager or or boss. And what did you do to kind of navigate through that while you were there?
1: You know, when you get fired from a job, it's like, it's like a death, right? It is a death. And when you don't want it, who, I mean, who wants to get let go of a job? I mean, nobody really typically wants that. Um, and so when I got let go, I took time. When you find yourself interviewing with a boss, all right, there's, there are questions you can ask. There are questions that I would ask now, that I teach people to ask, that if I would asked him, there's no way I would have worked for him. Like, hey, what is your process for recognition to you know, recognize you know, ideas and innovation? I mean, that he would have been completely inept.
0: Let me guess, you're an entrepreneur looking for ways to grow your business online. And you've probably tried everything to grow your business, including social media, SEO, even paid ads, only to find out that nothing truly works. So what if I told you that writing a book that goes on to become a bestseller is the magic wand, and that you can do it in as little as 30 days, two weeks, or even over a weekend in some cases, would you be interested? My name is Roger Brooks, and I'm the founder and host of American Real TV where I interview world-class guests to empower others through the essence of story. But I didn't get here overnight and my mission certainly doesn't end here. It's been my dream to empower others through the craft of writing and storytelling. Now, you're seeing this video because I just opened enrollment for my new book writing program, where I promise to take you from page one to published in 90 days or less. I will be personally working with you to overcome the same fears and obstacles that kept me from pursuing my dreams all of those years. Simply click on the link below to see how I could help you become a first time best-selling author. I look forward to seeing you on the inside. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Michael David Chapman. You have taken the bold step of restructuring your career, life, and goals around your values and faith after, as you say, recognizing your path was leading you away from God and your highest potential. Michael, it's a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Roger. Great haircut. Yeah, uh, you too,
1: man. When, wow. you bring this thing, when you're bringing this in to compensate.
0: I don't know. I, I, I there's always, uh, I, what, what I do is when I go on vacation, I just let it go. But there's something about I, I have a hard time getting comfortable with uh, with the facial hair. Yeah, I don't know why. I yeah, have to my go my, to my
1: my kids were recently. I had a full beard and it was pretty. You could you could rent space in it. <laughs> and they recently were like, "Hey, Dad, well, we think it would be cute to get the gray out." And so I let them do it. And they did got they went and got a box adjust for men. And when it was over, I looked like a wee character. I mean, I looked like a paste on beard. It was it was it was criminal.
0: (laughs) Priceless. Do you have a picture of it?
1: No, no, but a couple of people and a couple of prospects, people I work with, friends saw it I was like, I heard enough garbage on it. I said, I just took
0: it all off. Well, great. Well, I would love to see a picture of that. So maybe you could do it again for us and and snap a pic, but that's terrible. Look, I appreciate you coming on. Uh Um, And I've, I've been following your content for a while, but before we dive into it, you, you mentioned something right before you started. And that is that you don't really like these fluffy, podcasts right you want to make sure that people are getting the real stuff and i love that because that's that's why i started this podcast is i like to dive deep you know underneath the surface and really talk about the things that matter and just from reading your bio and watching your content i don't think we're gonna have a problem doing that today but can you comment on that yeah i think we'll be good so what what, tell me about that though about what about the podcast itself you know the industry. What don't you like about the, the fluff, so to speak?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think people are looking, it's, it, it comes from that bio. I mean, it comes from having, it's not podcasts in general. We were talking about podcasts and the question was, have you been on it? I, the question I had, but I don't know if I've always played the game to get on them. You know, because my content is, is, is a lot of the times, and even the way I respond to other people's content is, is not, is, it's off the path a bit. Uh, and, and again, I get it. I don't know why, but I get it. Like you're, you're so misunderstood or polarizing and I'm still figuring that out a bit, but honestly it comes from that, that, um, that bio, I mean, breaking away of the norms in professional life. I didn't ever set out to be an entrepreneur, uh, but to be, to give some credence to that and some background, I mean, I grew up hearing what now you hear a lot of younger people and, Gary Vaynerchuk and other, you know, reputable influencers talk about, of, you know, going to high school, going to college, getting a job, working for 30, 40 years. I mean, that doesn't happen. I guess it does still, but it's not. I mean, that's the culture and the, the generation I grew up in. And so I didn't stick with that. You know, I could have, you know, when I when I was 40, you know, and I went through a major life transition, you know, years later and, you know, when I that bio was written for me after an interview, after the person that wrote it said what the f do you want to where do you want to spend your time spend your days i just it was the, it's the light bulb that went off that said i don't want to you know spend the next 10 15 20 years especially after i'm done raising my kids doing what i've been doing cuz i was miserable i never i never signed on i signed on but i didn't sign on with any thought right it's what you do you know you you yes. you you do you do these things and so with back to your original question with content if it's roping me in, it's not that this content's worse and better. It's none of that. But if it's the same old, same old, I just, I just can't do it. <laughs> I, I can't, I don't enjoy it. I don't, I mean, I know it has value. And so another thing is that I don't really think there's much that's original. I mean, everything that's influenced my life came from somebody else's words. It's not that I've never had an original thought. Of course I have. But I'm saying that what we see in social media more often than not, is regurgit. It's lacking the story. It's lacking the edge uh,
0: from someone's life, which is what I value more. Well, look, I commend you for taking the plunge because yeah. I don't know about you, but I think I think most people feel like they wake up one day and say, what the heck? How did I get in what this happened? situation? What, what happened, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, it's not that easy to just take the plunge. Can, mm-hmm. Tell us a little about how you were able to do that. Did you set yourself up? you know, financially, um, relationship-wise, mindset? What were sure. some of the things that allowed you to be able to actually do it?
1: Like, well, like most people that have a breakthrough, usually it comes, not all the time, but for many people, it comes, from a, it comes on the other end of a failure or dur- during a failure. In my case, it was more of after and during. So in, in 2013, two very painful roads met at the same time. The same, you know, in that year, I, w- I was still married. And we moved from Atlanta, Georgia, it was our fourth move. in under six years with four kids. And that was a blended family. I've been married twice. So, you know, when we landed here in New Hampshire, I mean, I went to work, it was it, it was the beginning of the end of the marriage, for sure. Um, in terms of like, just the distance and what that does to a family unit. And specifically, I'll, I don't want to speak for all women. But you know, I was just really clueless on how valuable the connection to community is or was for her, right? Um, Which is why we stayed now. We're we're friends now, but we stayed in this environment. We stayed in New Hampshire, even though we're we're Georgia natives. But the other road that met that road was, you know, I I went to work for a bully. And so as I was going through the the second breakup uh, from 13 into, you know, really late 16, um, into the summer of 17, when I came up for air in 17 is when I said, okay, I've got to address this. I mean, I, I am dying. I'm dra- I'm traveling 50, 60,000 miles a year. I've got four kids, two that live with me full time, two that live with me half the time. I'm trying to rebuild my life, you name it. And I didn't set out to be an entrepreneur, entrepreneur, but I felt called, I felt a calling to leave that position without a position. I mean, every time i had left a position, I always had a job. You know that's just what you do. I mean, a good career coach is going to say, "Hey, you know, if you if you want to eat and sleep indoors, you should have a job before you leave a job." I didn't do it that way. Um, It was a big step of faith. I've got a lot of guidance. I got a lot of guidance and a lot of um, mentoring. Uh, It's just a calling. I didn't want to look for a job on this guy's time, but I went in the next week after a ton of. Uh, butt kicking and mentoring and spiritual guidance and, and just told him the truth. I said, look, I'm losing my, I'm losing what's left of my family. I'm leaving. How, how can I help this work? Because I was the second, I was, I was the second in the company. It was a small $20 million company. So I wanted to leave him in good shape, but leave the relationship the right way. So I didn't, so I never, it's, 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 that's a long winded preface. I never found a job. Wow. Because by that point, the values were going to be, look, my kid and my, you know, my my kids first, you know, and, you know, when you're a, when you're over 40, I'm not saying, I don't want to stereotype over 40 guys that are uh, divorced with kids, but when you're a father of four over the age of 40, I mean, that comes with certain stereotypes, you know, he won't be able to make the meetings, you know, he's going to always have, mama drama. I mean, like all these things that went on. I mean, I interviewed for positions from August of 17 to December until I decided to go into full-time entrepreneurship, but it just never happened because the values of being close to my family, both geographically and emotionally were first in the interview process. Yeah.
0: Wow, Michael. And look, I think your story is pretty common out there, right? I, yeah. I've, I've, you know, I've run into people, I've heard, heard the story before, but let's let's look at a couple of these a little bit closer. So sure. first, the first one that caught my interest was you worked for a bully. I mean that, and that's pretty common today, especially someone in your capacity of being very high level. I hear this a lot. Can we talk a little bit about that and let's help some people that might be in that situation you are in because I, I know that's what you do best is help yeah. them through these situations. What what are some of the signs that people don't even realize they're in a situation of a bully? You know. Um, uh, manager or, or boss. And what did you do to kind of navigate through that while you were there? Well, I'm
1: glad you've got a lot of time for this show because it's, it's, it goes deeper than the original decision. So it, that hiring or that um, job selection, if I can say it that way, it came on the heels of getting let go um, about three or four months earlier. You know, when you get fired from a job, it's like, it's like a death, right? It is a death. And when you don't want it, who, I mean, who wants to get let go of a job? I mean, nobody really typically wants that. Um, and so when I got let go, I took time. And um, I'm gonna answer your question, but I'm gonna give your listeners, your audience, a little bit more depth into that into that answer. I took time and, uh, my son's mother, her her name is Jamie. Jamie and I spent time, and we talked about what we wanted to do next. And the, the crazy thing is, of I had by the end of twenty third, sorry, twenty twelve, I had six opportunities, two of which that would have kept me in Atlanta. And so, number one, what I didn't where what clouded my judgment in the interview process with the the gentleman I went to work for was I really didn't have my values at home figured out. Right. So I included her in the process. We sat down, everything was on a spreadsheet, all of the opportunities, but what I did not have at my own choosing was somebody outside of me and her, you know, a Roger or somebody, another man that would have asked me the harder questions like, okay, it's like her and I talked about the money and you know, the benefits and, You know, her goals on what she wanted to do after our youngest was old enough and she could start working and she wanted to write and do some things. We had all that figured out, but I didn't have by my own choosing anyone asking me the questions that I really needed to be asked around my own issues and belief systems about money and relationships and marriage and dating your wife and all kinds of stuff like that. So when I went up for that flight in New Hampshire for the interview, I wasn't prepared. You know, I did. I, I, because we were we were choosing the best financial deal,
0: yeah.
1: And we, it wasn't a money issue for us. It wasn't like you know you didn't have to. All, do yeah, I didn't need to 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 do it. So, when when you're the short answer is after the long answer is when you find yourself interviewing for a with, with a boss. All right, there's there are questions you can ask. There are questions that I would ask now that I teach people to ask. That if I'd have asked him there's no way I would have worked for him. Like, hey, how, you know, what is your process for recognition to you know, recognize you know, ideas and innovation? I mean, that he would have been completely inept right. and uncap- incapable of answering that. I mean, I just pulled that out on the fly. But because I was so focused on what I thought we wanted as a couple, what was important to her, I mean, what she wanted to do was, she just wanted peace. And I thought it was the next best deal, you know, the next biggest house, you know, the best educational system. So that clouded the judgment, I would have never worked for this guy.
0: Well, that's great advice too. I don't so, know,
1: I don't know. I, mean, I can give you other examples of questions, but, but, but again, that was, the, that was a root issue that kept me from really, I mean, I got the job, but I, would, I didn't interview him.
0: And it's important to interview your yeah. boss, right? Correct. Man.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. If you've got options like we did, I mean, we could, have, we, we could have stayed in Atlanta.
0: So, Wow. So, okay, if someone's in this situation, let's just help them through this. Yeah. Prepare yourself, kind of take a step back, prepare questions, right, for the, for the boss that you would want to know in the situation of once I'm in this role, what are some of the things? So, you mentioned being recognized for something. What else are some of the things? What you
1: want to do after you figure out what's important outside of work and you've got that figured out, I think I made that abundantly clear. What you're trying to do in your QA is, is if there's toxicity, you're trying to indirectly encode, expose it. Hmm. Not, not to, so, so you could, you know, if you get an offer or you, know, or you can, you can, you know, pull yourself out of the candidacy, right? Um, so you, what are, what are your values? Okay. What are your values? And you shift your, you, you build your questions around that. So one of the values I have is I don't really need to be micromanaged. You know, when I, when I work for a boss, if I come to work for you, Roger, I, you know, you know, once I understand the systems and what's important, I, I want to come to you for wisdom. I want to come to you for, Hey, what do you think I should do? Or if I come to you like, Hey, what, Hey, t- tell me what to do. You, you look at, I want the kind of boss that says, what do you, what do you think we should do? so i'm going to build questions around answers that I'm looking for that are going to build build on my strengths and my values and my character Love around that. leading people so one of the questions is you know you know what is what is the company's process on managing performance you know and, and you know
0: not he would have, have a, an answer right he wouldn't have had an answer
1: well it you know, perhaps he probably would have said, I'm kind of inventing this conversation. Well, what do you mean? I was like, well, you know, when we have, you know, when we have an attendance policy and, you know, it's time to do, you know, I'm not a real big fan of doing a lot of documentation with mid-level leaders. If I have to, my fault, hey, his, let's just use his name, John. John, if I have to sit a leader down and, and write them up because they're not holding their people accountable, they're, Typically, in my opinion, there's something wrong with me or them. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on that? You know, and he would have been like, you know, well, you need to ride them up. They don't need to be here. I mean, his demeanor would have changed. Maybe because I went up there twice. I flew up here twice. One for the interview, then the house hunting trip, right? So I had, you know, probably four total days of FaceTime over two days that I could have asked better questions. Um, Another good one is, you know, you know, how do you, you know, what are your thoughts on when there's a company initiative? You know, I agree that we need to do it, but I don't necessarily, I mean, how do you feel about, you know, innovative thinking on how we do it? A lot of mine and his issues wasn't on the what. It was rare. Well, I shouldn't say the what. It was a lot of what issues. But of all the issues we had, when we agreed on the what, our biggest issue was the how his approach was if they don't want to do it, tell them to put the keys on the desk. And of course I'd look at him and say, sure, there, there's, there's six of them downstairs. I, I can do that right now. If you want. I mean, I, I called, I called bullshit a lot, especially in the, in the latter half of that. So it was the, how what you want to do is draft questions or think about your, what is your, how as a leader, if you're going to be in a leadership role like I was, what is your how on getting basic things done? Like the sales process, Managing uh, customer complaints and uh, how you meant We were a huge, huge. Um, we were, what's the word I'm looking for? One of our biggest metrics was client retention. Okay. Because we, 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 clo- uh, we, we procured, <laughs> we closed. Long. I've been out of it so long, I don't have the words anymore. That is a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing. <laughs> right. We went out and we hunted and we closed long term agreements okay. to provide really a service that's a commodity right so i mean people had complaints all the time and all the in all the companies i work for. In this i work for three of the companies in this industry what is your process to serving clients that call us with issues where it's it, it's really a little bit their fault a little bit our fault you know because it's a partnership you know i could have asked him a lot of questions that would have brought the differences in the how i'll give you a good example he wanted to see results on my from the nationally held company, not, uh, the national company I work for. It's later been acquired by a large company. And so I showed him my results. One of the flags that, you know, where I was like number one for two years straight, went to president's club out of 150 people, right? Great, when I was a mid-level guy years ago. One of the flags was he never asked me how I got the results. Hmm. Had he asked me how I got the results or I shared them, we would have. Because his way of doing it was was so different. Is, is why I never grew, is why the company never grew organically. Yeah. Got it. I mean, I can think of other ways, but think about your how your leadership style and and build questions around that are going to expose the differences in the Q and A the conversation and the differences in the house. So you're not so you find out if you're aligned or not.
0: So let me ask you a question, Michael. Did you have the experience and knowledge at that point to even know to ask the questions, mm-hmm. or do you know now because? of what you didn't do, like because you went through it I did, did. You? you did I
1: did I did I um, did I did because of the four years earlier I had went to work for a bully for on a one-year contract and that one I ended up leaving on my own terms it was in Connecticut when we moved from Iowa to Connecticut and that one was just I'm just grateful to have the job and they're going to, you know, making more money and I got a full reload package and I got to sign on and all of this stuff, this bells and whipples, whistles, whipples, whistles. Um, I'm going to stutter on words the rest of today for sure. That's okay. Um, no, I had a playbook and it helped me on the next position. Um, and I, 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 I used that experience from 2009 to 2010 to keep me from getting into another bad relationship. The difference was on, we had moved on, on this the difference on this one was we had moved three times. And I really, it was a relational issue. The issues internally inside the home, inside the marriage, in terms of the connection and the, the lack of the distance. You know, the question I needed to ask her was, do you really want to move? Mm. And, you didn't. And, she did, and she didn't, and she didn't. Because I was focused on the next best deal instead of focusing on who and what mattered most at the time. So I didn't prepare. It was all about, okay, well, go get the best deal. It wasn't about go get the right relationship for me and my career and, and, for, the, and for, our, for our home. Yeah.
0: So if you, I usually ask this question at the end, but I think it's appropriate right now. Yeah. If you were to call yourself back then at that age, at that moment, yeah, what would you have said to yourself to, to kind of shake your, you know, again, trying to help people right now?
1: Or oh, it'd be like, it'd be like, so if I was, put it this way, if, 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 if I was my brother, because mm-hmm. I, I did talk to my brother, you know, and he did not say this, because he was like, what, what the hell are you thinking? But that, it was a bit of, like, because you're going to move again. You're moving away from the family again, whatever. But really underneath that sort of scorn, and me, and my, me and my brother are fine, but the, what I would say to that Michael of 2000, late 2012 is, why do you not have one man? Why do you not have one man in your life who is unbiased, unemotional uh, to the outcome? Who will ask you the hard questions? Because the issue was, at the root of it was, there was a little bit of greed, there was a definite uh, scarcity mindset, um, I didn't have an, obviously, I didn't have an abundance mindset. I mean, I moved for $25,000 in a tax-free, $25,000 more a year in a tax-free state and other reasons that, you know, and then then when we found the house, so so I I didn't, you know, who do you have in your life? Who, the question, Michael, who do you have in your life that you're allowing to ask you the hard questions to really bring to the surface what you really want? Even if they would have said, look, I'm okay with you lying to yourself. I say lying, but just don't lie to yourself. You, 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 or, or better yet, I'm okay with you doing what's wrong, but don't be a liar. Okay? You have an issue. You have a bad relationship with money, and that seems to be more important than your marriage. That's, the, that's what I'd tell that guy. Do you have somebody that will ask you that and say that to you? Oh, Yeah. yeah i don't know if i I I answered it but i tried no
0: it's it look it gives me the chills because again there's Mm -hmm. and look i think you're beating yourself up a little bit because i don't even know you that well but i just don't i mean at that time you know maybe you just didn't have the the growth yet you know the mindset the maturity of that mindset to be able to even think of that so that's why I, i feel if we look and we connect the dots backwards sometimes we say well i woulda coulda shoulda but i think it's all part of our journey
1: well i do i did a lot of dude i was 39 i'm 47 now all right that was that was eight coming up on i guess uh wow more than eight years ago and i i definitely from 43 to about 46 maybe 45 and a half beat myself good i i can just tell it in vivid color yeah Right I mean, you asked me, I'm going to tell you so it sticks with anybody listening. I mean, if you're a leader, you know and I'm speaking to men, just, this is not exclusive to men, but there's two men talking I mean, but I'll, it applies to women too. if you're leading a home and you're earning bread to to make bread for people, uh, it's more than just your job. you've got to think about like the impact. I didn't even think about the impact I mean this is not beating myself up, but I didn't think about I mean We moved to a great school system here in New Hampshire. It's a terrific school system. But I didn't really think about, like, wow, I mean, my two oldest at the time were 11 and nine. They had just lost, because I've been married twice, they had just lost their mother to an accidental overdose a year before. I mean, and again, that's just not, again, I'm not beating myself up. It's just, that's a, that's a guy. And we could go into this. I was running so fast. I, I ran very fast from about age 15 to 39, 20, 25 years, just woof, ran very fast uh, for a lot of reasons. But so I beat myself up for sure, but no, I'm just telling you cause you asked me,
0: yeah. I
1: mean, I have completely forgiven myself, you know, experienced forgiveness with me and my son's mother and family members and people that I hurt. And but I can tell it in vivid color.
0: <laughs> Have you shared that publicly before? That
1: about oh about uh, my two oldest mother, my first wife. Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, like it, probably not not that cab. It's not cavalier. I mean, I mean, it's it's it was horrific. I mean, who sits? You know, especially in that situation where um, the way it turned out. You know, my son's mother. Uh, that was hard for her to the two of us to sit them down and how it happened. And, uh, it was, it was, it, it's insane when I look back that we, I, and this is fair to still say, I didn't take the time to really, I mean, we cared for it, but part of caring for it wouldn't have been another reload. Got it. And again, it goes back to what you said, like, I, I, I had nobody in my life, not, my, not other than Jamie. I had nobody in my life by my own hand, by my own doing. It's not that God didn't send people. It's just, you know, leaders need to be tough and whatever. I had nobody in my life that would have been like, man, really? Do you really want to do that? I mean, you just had this happen last year, last August. No, 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 no. You just lost your job. But, but, well, how's your marriage? I mean, like, how you got, I mean, like, I kept that out. You know, it was selfish.
0: Yeah. Sure. And again, l- this is a common, common theme that yes. I see in here. And, you know, look, I, I, there's bits and pieces of that where I've been myself. So I know, yeah. I feel it. I feel it. Um, so here's the good news. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Seven, eight years later, mm-hmm. um, man, you are just a Powerhouse on LinkedIn, you are a big time. What I would call, you are an influencer. I mean, oh no! Like, like it or not, I mean, we don't like that word, but your words matter, your posts matter. People are watching closely, um, and you have the opportunity to move mountains, which is fantastic. Uh, can you take us through that journey of from then till now? Because you've you've really built up a lot of momentum in a in a really good way.
1: Yeah, it was never intended.
0: I mean, that day, I mean, going back to August of
1: 17, many people have heard, many people have heard this story. It's going to be, oh, people, have, people, have, people have heard me, here he goes again. But it's, it's I mean, you're asking. So, yeah, talk about. Um, I mean, my, I, I remember it was really literally three years ago to last week that I sat my, the owner down, but a couple, of, a couple of weeks prior to that, I was on the golf course with a very good friend of mine that used to work for me at the same company who incidentally worked for that same owner for about seven years, maybe eight years before I got there. But he left. We were on the golf course and I was hemming and hawing. I was like, was, I was like how am I going to leave? I'm, you know, I'm in New England. I don't know anybody. I've just come through this, this second divorce. I don't have a college degree. I'm four kids, deep, single. Nobody's going to hire me. And I remember where I was. I remember we were on a dog track of a golf course and he grabbed me, we were on the 15th green. He said, he just grabbed me by the shoulders and he just, he looked at me and he said, just effing leave. I mean, that's, I mean, and it was, it was, you know, teeth and gritting and all that. And after one other (laughs) more spiritually motivated affirmation uh, from another mentor, I, the next week I, I gave notice. The day that I did that, I got on LinkedIn. I drove home from, south of Boston and up to New Hampshire. I got on LinkedIn, I had about a thousand connections that I had amassed from 2009 or eight, whenever I got on. And I just started looking for a job. But at the same time, my recovery had happened primarily from journaling on my phone. I'd done a lot of work with a couple therapists, uh, divorce groups, mentors. Um, I even had a grief counselor, which is different than therapy in lots of ways. Uh, but my, my journaling was everything, and I just began to look at the journals and repurpose some of the learnings, uh, failed marriages, getting fired from jobs. You know, lost a child along the way. I mean, you name it, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I never found a job. I was looking for a job, but it just took off. And it was right about the time I want. I don't remember the month that Microsoft bought uh, LinkedIn, but it was about a year after they had bought them, and they had complete. I mean. Listen, up to them, Roger, LinkedIn was a place to look for talent, yep. you know, be found, read a good Forbes article, and maybe look, you know, for a job. And it, it I could see how it turned into more like a Facebook feed where it was more personal stories. And I just, I just I had I met some really good friends. Uh some are I'm still connected with, some I'm not, that just showed me a little bit how it works and I just I just took it from there. And it just took off. I mean, I remember back in you know, right now they really slowed it down. But just to give you context, I remember like late October, early November, a bad day, a bad performing post, text post, 700, 1300 character post uh, was 100,000 views. I mean, that, that was a bad day. Yeah, I mean, but, 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 they, were, but they were handing them out. I mean, they just really slowed it down. And so I just, I just rode with it. Uh, and I think incidentally it helped me never get a job. I mean, people just like, you know, we can hire this guy. This guy's got stuff going on. So So that's how I did it. That's I mean awesome. I can I can go into more detail but that's basically how it started.
0: Look, I I give you so much credit. I'm happy your friend shook you that day. Mm-hmm. I'm happy that you got the second sign from from the mentor. Yeah. Um and you did it. So I commend you for that. I'm proud yeah. of you. And I don't even know you that well, but I'm proud of you. Thanks. Um and I and I love the fact that you didn't have any intentions on LinkedIn. You just you, you just I was looking it. for a job. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So Guys like me, like I, I I never took LinkedIn serious until about less than a year ago, maybe eight, nine months ago, I, I started taking it more serious, but I'm still learning. Like it's mm-hmm. it's so, you know, dynamic and changing. And there, uh, But let's talk about if you were to coach me or mm-hmm. someone who's listening on LinkedIn, what are some of the things that people should be thinking about? Because it's different today than even when it was say, when you started three years ago, yeah. um, what are some of the things people should be thinking about when they do their posts? Um, you know, what should they do? What shouldn't they do? Give us some ideas, if you can. Well,
1: I, I'll, I'll divide it in two things: job seeker versus not. Right? Okay. I mean, it's still largely a job seeker's platform. You know, um, it's where it's it's not the only place where, but I mean, I don't know what the stats are, but I, I'd have to bet that it's it's where most recruiters go to look for talent. Um, or, 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 a, or a huge place, a you know yes. large place to go look for talent. So if you're a job seeker on LinkedIn, I'd argue, and this is for any any of your audience that are in personal branding. I mean, to some degree, I don't say it, but with our clients, I, I guess I do some personal branding because I because I, I I structure and restructure LinkedIn profiles, and from a story perspective, I just enjoy doing that. But I'd say number one, if you're a job seeker, I don't think you need a personal brand. In fact, I think that's the last thing you need, right? I mean, if you are like me, I'm not saying you gotta be, but you know, I'll just give you some numbers. Like by the end of, you know, by by December of 2017, I'd gone from a thousand to like 15,000 followers. And I was in the feed once or twice a day. I don't know unless I'm aligning that brand with Coca-Cola or PepsiCo or Home Depot. I don't know if that's gonna fly uh, to getting hired or rehired or, or, or when you're transitioning. Good point. But for someone that's and I'm gonna get I'm not categor, I'm not I'm not broad brushing. I want to be clear uh, for anyone that's done personal branding and got a job. I'm just making the point that uh, it can be dicey because here's the thing about marketing: you don't know what people don't tell you. Mm. You know they your LinkedIn profile is is what it is, and it's your story, and it's either a good one or a bad one in terms of monetizing it or, or getting rehired or hired or whatever. Uh, if you're not a job seeker, I mean, for anyone, so I'm not saying people the job seekers, just gotta be careful, right? I mean, we all know the stories. I mean, I, I did a post, you know, I think I'm actually, this gentleman's gonna work with me, but I did a post uh, from a guy who reached out for me. Uh, anonymously, I had written something that, you know, might've been, that was, you know, talking about, relationships and diversity and in that space and he said look i just got fired because of some comments i made i'm not sure where uh in response to you know blue lives matter so if you're a job i mean that's that that, that's branding i mean you can agree with that or not agree with i'm just saying you just branded yourself at a time when you need to be be okay with the the intended and unintended consequences of that Non-job seekers, you know, I would say if you are building a business, you're an entrepreneur. I mean, you can break it down into a couple of different things. Number one, I didn't do this, okay? So this is more people that remember, like, do as I say, not as I do. I mean, I didn't really have a strategy. It was just putting out, I was on the That's I, was so on, cool. I was on the no plan plan, you know, back to uh, Along Came Polly. I think Jennifer Aniston said that. Yes. Um, if I'm not mistaken. So, so I know some people like, I'll just throw out a name, you know, a Mary Henderson who is like on brand, like all the time, you know. If if, if I was paying her, she would fire me because I just wouldn't do what she tells me to do. You know, and that that doesn't mean what she's saying is, I mean, what what she's saying is on point, right? I mean, if you're gonna be a coach and you are helping men or women, let's just say women, you know, in big pharma, e-commerce and manufacturing because that's yes, your background. You can't be talking about 5G if that doesn't have anything to do. I mean, you, you've got to be very careful and you've got to be on brand. So, number one, being on brand, on purpose. Number two, consistency. And
0: I'm mm-hmm.
1: you know, back to the content using every kind of strategy. I mean, like long-form post, short-form post. Of course, there's articles. We'll come back to that. Long-form post with a with – a, when I say long-form, all 1,300 characters. Short-form could be 500. Both of those with a graphic. Those without a graphic. Uh, those, both of those with a carousel post. Both of those with a video, a 30-second video like a Corey Warfield does, 30, uh, value in 30. Uh, repurpose video, which, again, people lose their minds over because they're typically more viral than this one will be. Not that this isn't going to be a great
0: series, but we'll, we'll you know, get people the would rather. Out of this. We'll get the best clip and keep it short. Pe-
1: people, well, people would rather you know, listen to Denzel Washington than me, right, or you. I mean, no offense, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, use every club in the bag. And mix it up and be consistent. Number one, number two, uh, give. I mean, I would say, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to say I don't have the time. I don't spend the kind of time that I used to. In full disclosure, and to fall on the sword. But I mean, my first year on LinkedIn, I mean, my, I like literally spent hours upon hours in the feed giving to other
0: people that I didn't even know. Yeah, I just first year feed, of your of your. 2017 correct
1: yeah yeah especially then yeah i mean i just i got hooked you know the dope was just intense you know and i was coming out of a bad place in my life and i mean Mm -hmm. it was just a it was ripe for spending a lot of time on social media but you can't not give anything so you don't need to go to that extreme but giving giving to other people specifically people that have you know if you've got 10 if you got a thousand followers and you or 2000 followers and you're supporting people with 500 that that's good that's good for your brand Um, and especially
0: for That's a really good tip sorry to interrupt you that's a really really good mm -hmm. tip can you say it again Because I want people to hear that yeah and
1: and again I it wasn't intentional but as I when I got to five or six thousand I figured it out if you've got if you got ten thousand followers and you put a comment you know someone puts out a post and they've got a thousand followers and you put a meaningful comment on their posts, here's the one thing, you can't predict who they're connected to. Right. They may be connected to your next job or your next client. Uh, and so that, you know. I love so,
0: that.
1: But, but, you're, but you're gonna, you know, if it's, if picking up followers is part of how you monetize or how you have social credibility, which is usually most, most of the time for most people in, in the space, giving to people that have less than you is a great way to pick up followers
0: first time i heard that michael yeah. so thank you for that one mm-hmm.
1: that's i would say i mean putting content out and being in groups where people supported my you know engagement groups where people supported my content and i don't mind talking about that uh, at all yeah uh, how do people how do how do you get invo- how do you get involved with these engagement groups i mean, well one. let me come i come we'll okay. we'll talk on that okay. um back to the giving i would say that you know the quality of the content having help from the groups and back to the giving. Giving in the feed, and again, I don't have the empirical quantifiable data, but I, I know how much time I spent in the feed. Would probably be for every hour I had on LinkedIn, I probably had 15 minutes in the feed. Okay. I, I remember specifically putting out comments that would outpace the engagement of a specific post and, and, and pick up a large amount of followers as a result. There's, there's again, there's nothing wrong with that. Especially yeah. if, the, if the comment is germane or meaningful, Yep. And it usually always was. So, um, giving to other people is huge. And then the far, fine, final thing I brought up that you're asking, you know, how do you get in them? You know, they're, they're again, just for, they're frowned upon mainly because there's a lot of, there's a there's a, there's a lot of ignorance around it. Um, but, but I always I liken the discussion to usually you're invited you either create your own or you're invited. That's the short answer.
0: Okay.
1: And, and so, yeah, so people that, that, that moderate them will, will, will look for people that are consistently in the feed and say, you know, hey, do you wanna, have you ever heard of this? Do you wanna do this? And you get invited um, and you go from there. And, and, and if you really think about it, for anyone listening, it's like, I knew it. <laughs> you know, like I, I have been like uh, never in the closet about that ever, uh, almost to a fault and almost with a defiance because I actually, took the time uh, to to understand it from LinkedIn's perspective on two fronts. Number one, it's right there in their user agreement. I think for the most part, anybody with you know any level of education and the ability to understand basic English in this case, the way because it's in because I speak English, it's right there in, in in, you know, in 2.5, you know, what's called 2.5 sharing of their user agreement they basically defined that they've created their platform uh where people you know they want people to 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 share content with with one another it's another reason why you see message chats have why do you think they have it where you can have 50 people in a group chat like you know well they're not doing that so you share content but again they just want us chatting that's fine but then that so if you go read the the user agreement 2.5 sharing that's one thing but the biggest telltale sign is LinkedIn groups. I mean, long before micro, I mean, this wasn't an issue before Microsoft, before they really opened up this algorithm and really made it easy to get attention, especially back in 2017. But if you think about that prior to 2016, what are people doing in LinkedIn? If you go to your local LinkedIn group that people are sharing content left, right, front and center. Mm -hmm. And it's not always, you know, a Huff, a Huffington post post, right? It's usually their content, and now they take the URL and share it in the group and they're doing it to share it, but with an intent that, hey, Roger.
0: Yep, give me some love.
1: Can you, right here, Yep. sweetheart. Yeah, I mean, come on. Yeah. So, and, that, and groups, have, I don't know when groups started, but they were long, they were, they've been around way longer than the pod, non-pod argument came up. So it's just goofy, it's corny. I won't even engage somebody that can't be intelligent about it.
0: Do groups work? You know, I don't know,
1: man, I, I was in, when, when I got back on LinkedIn, I was in industry groups. You know, I had worked in transportation half of my career, industrial, you know, uniform rental. I spent some time in wholesale grocery. And like, I I don't know why they don't make them work. I mean, right. the biggest thing about groups is, is you never get, you know, you never get the notifications, but right. it, you know. That,
0: so, I was gonna ask you is, uh, cause we started a group, our company did, and it's really, really difficult. We, we got a lot of people in, but it's hard to get any engagement because no the, one the, knows. It's because, because if I'm in that group
1: and you put out a piece of, for some reason, even if you have that, I think there's a setting where you can be notified that just, I think the group, and I heard from years, you know, like early 2018, LinkedIn's bringing group me all this content. that was never verified. Maybe they changed their, maybe it was verified, but they changed their focus that LinkedIn was bringing groups back. They're overhauling it. I mean, I just don't think it ever happened. Um, and and I'm, I'm telling you, if I, to me, it just makes sense to make it work. I think it's in part why engagement groups, uh, the proliferation of engagement groups. Yes, people want more engagement in the post-life. I get that. But in most engagement groups, there also becomes what people call a community. That's another code word for, you know, you need, when people say how I built my following is I created a community, and I, and I get that. But usually that's code for I'm in engagement groups. And I'm afraid to say it, because I don't want to look. I'm gaming the the algorithm. Okay, that's a little little shove to people that. It, but for the most part, in engagement groups, you build a chat group too,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so people know about people's kids and yeah. you know what's going and on. It in is people's a
0: community. Home. It's a yeah, community. Yeah, I know
1: these yeah. People. I mean, if I was if I was a leader at LinkedIn, and again, and who am I to tell them what to do? They've built a great platform, but I would make groups like critically important because. I would want people to stay on my platform instead of go over here to their platforms or that platform.
0: Hundred percent. Yeah. Awesome. Great, great, great uh, insight, yeah. advice, uh, and I appreciate that. Sure. So, how how did you start to monetize? Like, let, mm-hmm. let's talk about that part of it. Um, I think most people that are engaged in LinkedIn, they're trying to figure this out. It's not easy.
1: Yeah.
0: What what can you offer us today about? You know, where do you start?
1: Yeah, I mean, like, at the end of the day, people, it's so funny, the monetizing conversation comes up, and it's like, I got stuck in this for, for a long time, uh, but it really could just, before you do anything, I mean, my approach to helping someone, and I do a little bit of this work, it's not my core work, but the first thing to do is get out a piece of paper or whiteboard and say, okay, what are my skills? You know, you know, in my case, like, I'll just give you one of them, you know, I help people, and say, you know, I'm not. I don't call myself a sales coach, but I do a lot of sales coaching mm-hmm. because, and it's an ancillary benefit to what I actually do. When you when you book time with me, if you're trying to build your business, by default, what I actually help you do. I mean, part of it is a sales conversation. So, but to make this simple, if I'm a if I'm a great sales coach, you know, can I do that without having to be in someone's? Especially now with COVID, can I be? Can I do that without having to be in your in your in your office or at a Starbucks? and really get really clear about what your skill sets are. You know, outside, and, and, and in addition, that's in addition to what you do for your regular day job, if you have a W2 job or whatnot. Uh, but once you understand that, you know, then it's about finding, you know, finding the pain. I mean, people. I mean, we know this, I mean, whoever said this, people buy on pain and need for the most part. They, they, they buy on intended or expected outcomes. And so you create that narrative. And so that's usually what a coach does. I mean, when I was coaching men, and I, I still do coach men when, when people, when I'm, when I'm led into their life, um, the men that I work with, I help grieve certain issues that have, that have held them down for years. That's awesome. Break, break through and grieve and move on. It's quick. It's, it's, it's you know, it's 20-yard line to the other side. It's, it's truly coaching. I don't do therapy and that kind of stuff. I never talk about that, but if I did, it would be like, okay, what are those skills? What does that look like? And then let's just start talking about it. There's three ways to do it on LinkedIn that I know of. There's ad spin, there's content marketing, and there's direct outreach. That, that's pretty much, right? So from an ad spin perspective, you can come up with a great creative or you can get on camera, and, you know, and I can take everything I just told you about my life and get it down to 45 seconds with, you know, a destination landing page and come click and find a better life and become a millionaire and all that kind of stuff. Content marketing is more of what I did, um, without knowing it. I I didn't know I was somewhat of a marketer. Um, I think I've been marketing my whole life. I've been marketing my ideas at companies that necessarily didn't want them, which is fine, you know, inside of work groups, you know, and that's usually would get me in trouble with bosses and that kind of stuff. Um, so, content marketing. I think that's that's a smart play. I think it's a, a longer play than it is the, the third one, and that is knock, you know, knocking on digital doors. I, I, I what, is,
0: what does that mean, Michael?
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know probably have somebody send me an envelope full of ants after I say this, but I disagree that you know. Well, I disagree. I, around some of the stuff that people talk about around direct outreach on LinkedIn, that is connecting with someone, build a relationship with them. And then at some point it turn into, yeah, potential, a business opportunity. Yep. You know, a lot of what you see, you know, don't pitch too early. You know, you know, I get all that, you know, but what, I, what it, it almost a lot of that negative energy, because it's, it's, it's when you really think about, you know, and again, I don't want to, I don't know everyone's connection request, but again, if you've got 10,000 connections, everybody didn't pitch to you. Stop painting that, especially if you're a sales coach. All right. And I say this to my sales coach. If you're a sales coach and you're painting that, that's so such a small part of that. Yeah. It's an exception. Most people don't just connect and then pitch. Right Because most people that you want to do business with don't aren't entrepreneurs.
0: We just remember the small percentage that do right. it's so annoying.
1: And I'm not saying I've never done exception- based posting. I have I'm just hmm. we're on this topic so yep. so what I'm saying is is, in my opinion of the three ad spend, content marketing, direct outreach, and that's really what we help our clients do uh, that's what I, I believe we are best at uh, I think is the, is the best value for your money because, you know, it's, it's private at some point, you're gonna get on Zoom, you know, you have complete control on the target. Whereas with content marketing, it's like, if you don't, you know, if you've got, like at one point, if you've got 30% of your connections that are in a, in a, in a ge- geography, they are never gonna buy from you. Who cares if they're looking at it, right? I mean, there's so many factors that go into that. So those are the three ways to do it.
0: So are you saying use a combination of the three or are you saying mm-hmm. no? You're, you're saying you you could. could.
1: I don't. I don't. We content marketing. I don't do a lot of our. My team does content marketing for our business, but I don't do any ad spend. It's mainly the out.
0: No ad spend. That's what I was going to ask you next. Yeah. You do any ad spend?
1: I don't for our business. I I, I will. I help our clients create ad spend and creative, uh, and our team will manage it for them. But for our business, we don't. We're actually looking at for our business doing ad spend on other platforms mm-hmm. because the specific things that we do are not as saturated on a Facebook, Facebook and an Instagram. Facebook. Not, I'm with
0: yeah. you. I'm with you. Okay. One thing you mentioned earlier, I don't want to forget about it because I'm sure other people are thinking about it too. You mentioned articles. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you talk about that? Cause I know you, you're pretty big on articles.
1: Yeah, well, I'm actually not. I've only written like four.
0: <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean like,
1: um, so that speaks to the understanding of more. I mean, this is, this is a, everyone's said this a thousand times, but, Um, what most people don't know or remember back, back in the day, all of four years ago, like it's a hundred years ago, (laughs) um, um, my understanding with articles and this is where I even posted was like, if, if I posted an article, it note, like LinkedIn notified my entire network. Michael just posts an article. Right. Um, there's no secret about the reach, right? I mean, there, I mean, if you're getting, let's to make this simple, if you're getting a thousand views on a post, Okay you're probably getting a fraction of that on an article by, by contrast, right, in relative terms. It takes a lot of heavy lifting, especially now with so many people putting out short form content to get somebody to read it enough or enough people to read it to get the views. I mean, there are some big, big names that are just by default. Um, why, the question is why do articles not get the reach that a short form you know, under 1300 character post does? I'm not sure why they did that. My get this is speculation, my guess is um, you're gonna attract more uh, subscriptions, members, uh, viewership by giving people quick shots to the arm. I mean like, and so so you take somebody like me where you took dope and you shot it in his arm and now I'm just sharing more and more and more from my life and I'm getting more and more viewership so more and people are staying on the platform versus me going on for and there's nothing wrong with articles i got friends that do articles every other day you know tim denning you know it does has got a trillion articles on on linkedin i mean there's nothing wrong with them, but it's just not been my thing okay i'm, I'm more into the quick thoughts i mean I'm, I'm,
0: i guess i'm a sucker for it and i'd say i thought you were gonna say the opposite so again I'm, I'm, I'm really i'm
1: a fan listen i'm a fan of the people that do it and have made it successful i just never that's like that's like if you're a golfer, that's like the six iron in your bag. I mean, it's like <laughs> play it once every five years or something.
0: That's right. I'm golfing yeah. tomorrow for the first time in about five Do you years. play your six iron? Well, I have it in my bag. You I do it if you're, you need to get on in two, right? <laughs> that's right. I get you. Um, okay, cool. So what a great conversation. I, I, maybe we could do another one of these because sure. there, there's so much to talk to you about. Uh, I did want to touch on your faith, if you don't mm-hmm. mind, because I know that. That's something you put uh, front and center. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something important to me in my life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Why is your faith so important to you? What has it done in your life, especially over these last, you know, three, yeah. four years of your massive growth?
1: Sure. So, you know, grew up in the deep south and I guess Atlanta, Georgia, is that the deep south? I still yeah, have sure. it. It's in the, it's in the twang. I mean, my voice, you're going to hear the Southern thing, a little bit of Midwestern, <laughs> but definitely not much to is England. There? Even if I try to talk like I'm from Boston, it just looks corny. I sound like a poser for sure. Um, But no, I grew up. I grew up very uh, on the front row of a a Baptist church, very, very evangelical. um, Sort of. uh, What was it? I've always joked about this, but it, it always felt like I was saved on Sunday and I was going to hell on Monday. I mean, like, you know, because like my dad wasn't around. These are all excuses. These were excuses back then, but this is now. It's just like it's just the way I. You know, my mother had me and my brother, you know, I have an older sister too, but she had already moved out and, or she, she was married when we moved uh, to Atlanta and started attending this huge church, megachurch. church. And it, was a, it wasn't a megachurch then, but um, so I grew up like that. Uh, so my relationship with Christ, my relationship with God was very, uh, as much influence in the, in the Baptist religion, which again, there's nothing wrong with that. Inside of that, and I don't want to. I don't want to pontificate a little bit too much here, but inside of that, at least what I heard, because perhaps uh, a lack of a male role model—not to make an excuse, but just to be direct with it—would have been the, you know, the, the condemnation. You know, I need to earn favor from God. You know, it was like, okay. You know, this guy, this, this son of his did this great thing, but then there, there's all these bad things about me. Right. And so I carried that, you know, from 12 years of age till about 39, 40. And I lived that life. And so, you know, at 40, when the second marriage fell apart, it, it became, it's not that I never had a relationship. I did, but that is all I had was to double, triple, quadruple down on that relationship. And that's where I really, really, uh, I saw grace and felt grace for my mother and family, my sister, and even in the in the marriages, right? But I, that is where there was nothing else to grab onto, no other fixture, no other idol, whatever word you want to use. And that is all I had was to to have that relationship. And so it cultivated from there. I don't know if that helps, but
0: no, it does. And but but at that turning point, it becomes more. Mm-hmm. Of a direct spiritual relationship, correct? Mm-hmm. Sure. Where, where, where you're starting to have different feelings and mm-hmm. believe in yourself in a different way and, and be of service to others and all these things you talked about today um, to, to move forward in your life in, in a way that was different than before. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Awesome, man. Wow. What didn't we cover? I mean, there's so much here. Uh, I wanted to get into one quick thing about uh, on your profile. You talk about people that are faithfully unsuccessful. It's a little bit related to what we're talking about right now.
1: Yeah. I mean, faithfully unsuccessful came from, you know, the, the person that wrote that, you know, had taken me through an interview process, recorded it and listened to it. And one of the things she said was one of the, one of the challenges I had was when faith values intersected with professional values, specifically Mm -hmm. doing the right thing, having integrity on financial reporting, you know, and and stuff like that. Um, You know, bringing those values, you know, a better example might be saying no to workaholism, you know, like there were times when, you know, I just didn't, we, I remember one position I held, like we wanted managers to, to uh, clock in. <laughs> and, and I just believed that was micromanagement. I, ble- I believed it was oppressive. I didn't believe it was uh, healthy leadership. I said no to it. It cost me. And I think it came from, you know, I didn't do it rude, but I just disagreed with it. And it was back to that you're telling me how versus tell me what. The what was we're going to get better results, but the how was we're going to be oppressive. And we're not going to have trust in the work environment. I mean, that stuff came from my faith values. So helping leaders bring their faith values into work in a a practical and, and, you know, healthy way to achieve business goals, but not give up their faith values. That's what that means.
0: So you're helping people today trying to break through some of these Mm -hmm. self-limiting beliefs? Sure, sure.
1: Yeah, they have faith values grounded in, certain, in, in in any faith. By the way, I mean I work with it's not just evangelicals. I mean I've worked with um, people in the you know Islamic faith, you name it, Jewish faith. It's it's I respect all faiths. I do too. Uh, because again, wherever you are, if you have that faith, there's going to be you know a rub if you're trying to disassociate yourself from a, for a paycheck or for a boss. Hundred yeah.
0: percent, especially with the world we live in today of LinkedIn. <laughs> Um, it's so wonderful to be able to connect with people from all over the world, all different faiths and respecting those, those, you know, everyone has their, their own faith. Sure. Awesome, man. Michael, uh, before I let you go, I have one last question and I ask every guest at the end of the day, you still have a lot of life to live. Um, what are you trying to do here? What, What are you trying, where are you trying to get to? What do you want your legacy to be? What kind of mark are you trying to leave on this earth? You know, all I want, I said this on the last podcast, it's so crazy. Uh, all I wanted to
1: do is be a dad. wow, because I, because I didn't have one. But a lot of that came from never really learning how to dream. So I've accomplished a lot of that. I mean, I've got two, I got two graduated, one in school, one that works hard, you know, and then two coming up. So I'm, I'm doing that. I'm, 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 I'm killing that generational sin of fatherless Cause my dad was gone. His dad died. Alcoholism on both sides, you name it. Um, so no, i I, I don't know. Other than that, I don't know. Uh, I'm in that weird place where, you know, I don't have any more excuses to not have big dreams. So I'm working some of that out now, but it was to be a dad.
0: That's so awesome.
1: I'm okay with, I don't know. That, that <laughs> gives me a clean, I got a whiteboard right there that gives me a clean whiteboard.
0: That's a good thing, right? (laughs) Michael David Chapman, welcome to the American Real family. Thank you so much. You have taken that bold step of restructuring your life and career. And I'm so proud to call you a friend. Thank you. uh, I I can't wait to share this episode. Awesome, I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, americanreal.tv or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy, where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.